The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by WinBet. I'm Clay Link here with Rotowire.com's James Anderson. James, uh, I want to start the show by taking another public L on Hunter Green, man. Got the bump up to AAA since the last time we talked. I was just dead wrong. I put too much into what I saw with my own two eyes in spring training. Um Breaking ball command didn't seem to be there. He was leaving stuff over the heart of the plate, but he it's clicked since, and now he's just one step away. Yeah, I'll, I'll take another big L on, on Hunter Green. I know that um, we occasionally will have someone who maybe hasn't listened to all the podcasts or all the radio shows asking us to take another L on Hunter Green, and, and I'm happy to do so. Uh, yeah, he's yeah, – I've never been happier to take it now because I'm a fan of the team, but I just didn't think he was, I didn't think he had the secondaries or the command to, to be a well, top notch starter. I think the most impressive thing for me is just the fact that he's gone five plus innings in every start this year, even like, you know, he's got a few where he walked a few too many guys, but even in those starts, he's going, going deep into his starts and, and most pitching prospects this year have been going, like four innings per start just in, in an effort to sort of manage their innings. And the fact that he's having these incredibly impressive results, but also turning lineups over multiple times, it's it's been really, really impressive. Yeah. Somebody on Twitter was asking if it's time to stash. And I was actually embarrassed by the timing of it because I had actually just stashed him in <laughs> only Hunter Green. And I thought maybe I'd tweet that, but I thought, I thought nobody would really believe me. Um, <laughs> I guess I'm a sucker, and again, I didn't really like what I saw in the spring, but he's just been so dominant. And the Reds, hey, a couple games over 500 now, taking it to your crew. I know they're playing right now. I can't watch them because they're blacked out here. So annoying, um, the blackout. Uh, top third, 0-0, Reds Brewers. So the Reds, I thought maybe a couple weeks ago they might be sellers, but maybe they bring up a guy like Green. You already saw Tony Santian. 
Maybe they, they make another push to go for it. I could see it. Uh, Santiana did not think looked very good. Um, command was all over the place. He was effective enough, but he really lost lost hold of the command. Uh, James, I know you've been updating your individual org top 20s. Is Hunter Green the, the Reds' top prospect now, would you say? Um, well, I, you know, I did the top 400 update probably 10 days ago or so. And on that, I had Nick Lodolo over him. Lodolo was, uh, really, really impressive in his own right. Now he's on the IL at, at double a with a blister, I think. Um, but if I re updated everything today, I'd probably have green ahead of Lodolo. But I mean, it's it's really close. Both those guys uh, take big L's on both those guys because I was too low on on both Reds hurlers. And I would agree with you. I think you know. I think Green probably does get a look this year if he can stay healthy. Yeah, I think so too because they've had some injuries, and it's good to see Castillo coming back, but um, pitching okay. But I think yeah, I think now that he's bumped up to Triple A, it may only be a uh, Month, month and a half before we see green. So I did go ahead and stash. It was actually eerie how close it was to the tweet when I actually – it was like within minutes I'd picked him up and the guy asked if it was stash and season on green yet. And it is. Um, I could see that. We'll talk a little bit more about your org, your work, uh, ranking prospects in each organization. But we did have a question from uh, Fabulous DJF. I'm putting it down at the bottom of the screen here if you're watching on YouTube. Appreciate those who are tuning in. Uh, any insight as to when Bruhan or Duran will come up? We could just touch on this briefly. I know uh, Duran's continue to making continues to make some some noise down there. Uh, yeah, I mean Bruhan's actually cooled off a little bit. Um, I think he would be up as an injury replacement. I don't really see a obvious way to shoehorn him into a enough at bats for it to make sense for them to bring him up right now. So I think if you see, you know, Joey Wendell, Brandon Lau, uh, even like, you know, if G-Man Choi got hurt, they could move guys around. Um, any number of the outfielders getting hurt could result in Bruhan getting a call. So I think you're basically just waiting for an injury with him. And then uh, with Duran, um, he was – playing in the, the Team USA uh, qualifiers, but he's back with Worcester now, and, and he's uh, been hitting. He's got two hits in his last each of his last three games, so I would I would not be surprised if we saw Duran get the call before the end of the month. Nice. Well, let's get into these orgs uh, specifically. and You've uh, gone through and updated the individual top 20s for each organization. Your big top 400 update. Well, was that a week ago, two weeks ago now? Yeah, about a little over a week ago. Nice. So any, you know, as you were evaluating things, we know the Rays have a deep system. The Dodgers have an embarrassment of riches, both at the major league level and in the system uh, and the farm. Any other systems that you were, you know, as you were ranking players thought, oh, man, this is kind of a deeper system than I realized? Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not. I do this. I spent so much time on this stuff that I'm not really surprised, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to note the, the five systems where they had at least 20 guys represented in the top 400. 
Uh, like you said, the Rays, no surprise there. The Dodgers, uh, obviously, just, you know, they, they kill it on all fronts, trades, draft, uh, international market. Uh, and they, they just seem like they're just always going to have one of the five or ten best systems in the game, no matter what. Uh, the Rays do clearly, to me, have the number one system. Like, I don't think it's debatable at all. They have everything you could possibly want. They have guys that are close to the majors, hitters and pitchers. They have guys in the lower levels with upside. So uh, the Rays are just absolutely stacked. Uh, as good of a farm system as as we've probably seen in, in a while. Um, and then Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and the New York Yankees are the other three uh, that have 20-plus guys in the top 400. Not surprising on Cleveland. We, we talk about them a lot in terms of just being uh, absolutely loaded in the lower levels, and they're probably going to be the first team to kind of challenge the Rays for the top system in the game here, but that's probably over a year away. And then Pittsburgh obviously has been making a, a bunch of deals to rebuild and uh, they've done a they've done a really nice job with that. So they're they're represented very well in the top 400. And the Yankees, you know, you might not think of them as having a a great system because they don't have uh, you know guys that we're like waiting for to get the call to the majors, right? Like they're, we're t- we talk about the Rays guys a lot, uh, but the Yankees are are really loaded in in the lower levels. They've got a lot of good young arms. Uh, they've done really, really well on the international market, and they they probably have a, a lot of volatility, uh, more volatility than than most uh, of these teams, just in terms of the guys who are on the top 400. Like some of these guys are just really boom or bust, but they've got a ton of upside and they've got the pieces to go uh, acquire, you know, anyone they want at the trade deadline without giving up uh, their top two or three guys. I guess I was projecting my own surprise about seeing the Pirates listed. Obviously, you do this. Uh, it's basically, you know, your life in, in a sense. But um, I'm a little surprised to see the Pirates as a top uh, five deepest system for you because I guess I just hadn't had it in my head that they were this far along in their rebuild. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they did really well in the – uh, Jameson Tyone trade. Uh, they got some guys, obviously, in the, the Joe Musgrove trade. Um, and they've just, uh, Brian Hayes actually just graduated, I think, yesterday. Uh, but it's not, you know, a lot of their guys have been in the system for a while and have just been kind of slowly working their way up. Um, you know, they might like not Jared, have. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, it looks like Jared Olive is barely holding on to the spot in the org ranks. Yeah, I mean he's he's 25, and uh, yeah. there's there's sort of some short side platoon risk with him. He really needs to hit um, to to get a, a look as an everyday guy. But yeah, only a 650 OPO. He's only played two games. I guess he was hurt. Yeah, he was hurt. Yeah. Um, they don't have the the Pirates. It's it's probably more quantity over quality with them right now, especially now that Key Brian Hayes has graduated. Uh, they don't have a ton of guys that I think have like the potential to be top 50 prospects, but um, they've just got a, a lot of guys that could be top 100 guys. Um, so it's, it, I mean, you, I understand why you'd be surprised by them being in there and the, and they don't have that sort of really high end upside with a lot of these guys. But um, I think this, th- there's this misconception that the pirates are 
sort of a laughingstock regime and people just are translating kind of the, the past regime to this new regime. And it's it's been much better since Ben Sherrington and company took over. Yeah, the product on the field at the big league level is still embarrassing. Let's oh, yeah. But a lot of better days to come for Buckos fans. Let's talk shallowest, shallowest, shallowest <laughs> systems in the bigs. Which one would you say is the shallowest, James? Uh, I think it's it's very clearly the Chicago White Sox, and there's there's no shame in that. I mean, they did they did with their farm system what you're supposed to do with your farm system. They graduated guys, and they're helping the big league club. And some of the guys they graduated aren't even helping the big league club because they're hurt right now, and they're and they're still having an awesome year. So uh, it's not you know it's not a major slight on Chicago that their system is the worst in the game. It's clearly the worst in the game to me. I mean, they don't have they don't have a single guy that has any argument to be a top one hundred prospect. And realistically, like like I've got Benjamin Bailey in my top two hundred, but he's hanging on by a thread. And he won't be a top 200 guy when I add the the new draftees in in a few weeks. Um, the, the other guys that are in the top 400, like Jared Kelly's, had a really rough start to his pro campaign. Uh, Jose Rodriguez is an infielder who's had a had a nice start to the year, but I mean he's you know, it's kind of a stretch to say that he would be an impact player. Um, they just I mean the White Sox when I was updating their top 20. You know, it, it's more than half of the the top twenty guys in that system are guys that I would strongly bet don't ever become uh, regular big leaguers. So um, they're they're in a weird position where it's it's going to be a uh, buyer's market once again at the trade deadline, I think. Uh, and they're obviously a contender and they could use some help. But if they want to add any impactful players at the deadline the guys that they're going to have to trade are already on the big league roster guys like, um, you know, Kopech, Vaughn, Crochet. Like I know that White Sox fans don't want to trade any of those guys, obviously. And I, I wouldn't want to either, but they don't have anyone on, on the farm that could get them um, a big time impact piece at the deadline. Yeah. Really have to win, win a title in the next few years with, with La Russa. We'll see if it happens because uh, that window is eventually going to slam shut, but they, they do have a little window here in the next two to three years, I'd say, to win a title. Um, James, the Phillies have been in a spot where they kind of, I mean, they've been trying to compete ostensibly, but uh, just never, in my opinion, have realistically had enough these past few years to, to make a real run of the title. And, you know, they got Bryce Harper locked up, but looking at the system, you think they're ever going to be able to put enough around him? Or are they always just going to be towing this middle middle line for the next decade? Yeah, I think that they are. You know, they have one of the more sort of hopeless futures of any team in the majors. I mean, it's it's kind of their, their rosters are different, but it's kind of like the the Angels. They're they're kind of like the Angels of the NL, where you have this star player locked up uh, long term but you just don't have the pieces either on the big league roster or really in the minors to, to give you a ton of hope of, of um, cashing it in for a title. I mean, like the, the nationals have a really bad system too, but at least the nationals won a world series recently. And the Phillies are in this really bad spot where they can't rebuild because they've 
spent a ton of money on guys like Harper and Wheeler and um, you know, they have like Aaron Nola in his prime and it's just, it's not a, uh, something that they could sell to ownership. I don't think that, that we're going to tear it down and yet they aren't really realistic contenders to me and they don't have a lot coming on the farm. I mean, their best prospect is probably Mick Abel, who's like four years away. Uh, Bryson Stott has had a nice season, but he's really their only position player prospect on the farm that you could say has a, has a strong likelihood of being a everyday big leaguer. So uh, there's just there's not a lot coming in Philly, and there's they're probably a little shorthanded on the big league roster as is. Alfonso Lassane asks in the uh, or says in the chat, please tell me Franco's up. Uh, to my knowledge, Wonder Franco's not up, but uh, <laughs> we're still waiting. We're still on it, Franco watch. It is it is worth noting that um, he now like with Vidal Bruhan kind of. It's not scuffling, but like he's cooled off. Uh, Franco does probably have the statistical case over Bruhan at this point. Uh, he's not on the 40 man roster, but um, it's, you know, I used to be pretty confident that Bruhan would get the call ahead of Franco. I'd probably still bet on that, but it's closer than it, than it used to be for me. I think Franco, um, could get the call it's just a question of like what would have to happen like does someone have to get hurt i mean how bad would taylor walls have to play over how long of a stretch for franco to replace him because walls has been pretty solid and so that's it's a it's a really tough uh, tough call to make in terms of when he'd be up i think it's a tough call to make in terms of when shane boz will be up too because he's uh, I mean, he's kind of been just as impressive as, as Hunter Green for the Reds, and I think he's put himself in the position to uh, be an option um, to join the big club as well. Uh, Joe Ryan could join the big club on the, the pitching side as well, and, and Josh Lowe's uh, been awesome all season. So it's really tough to predict how the Rays are going to handle these call-ups when they've got like four or five really deserving guys at AAA. Yeah, I'm still waiting on Franco, but I uh, I don't think he's going to be able to save my labor team, James. I just lost glass now, and I think that's the uh, last straw. So that's unfortunate. I'll keep grinding, but uh, I think Vladdy's not going to be able to carry the team by himself. So we'll have to see. Before we move on, let's sort of a quick word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
you need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Now we are back on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link here with Rotowire.com's lead prospect analyst, James Anderson. And James, last week on the XM show, we had Matt Thompson on from Prospects Live and from Friends with Fantasy Benefits. He seemed, you know, frankly, a little down on how the Cardinals' front office has run things lately. We know they've lost guys like Rosarena. Uh, didn't they? I didn't realize this, but Matt mentioned and you mentioned that they traded both Gallon and Alcantara in the Ozuna deal. Uh, it's kind of hard yeah. for – I didn't realize that. It's pretty insane. Um, and looking looking ahead to the future, do you think it's – you know, the what's to come is kind of underwhelming for St. Louis? Um, well, they have a better top prospect than any of the, these other bad systems we've talked about. Uh Nolan Gorman. I mean, I guess you could say Kate Cavalli for the Nationals is is right up there with Nolan Gorman. But Nolan Gorman's been a really good story this year. He's been making a lot more contact. He's been walking more. And Jordan Walker has been a great story. Mason Wynn's had his moments. And we've talked about uh, Alec Burleson um, being kind of a surprise hit in uh, last year's draft. But the the depth in the Cardinals system is really, really bad. Like if you, once you get past like their eighth best prospect, uh, Tink Hentz, it's just guys who have never played in professional ball, just guys they've signed in, in recent J2 classes, uh, guys that have performed poorly. I mean, it just, it falls off a cliff really. So uh, they don't have a ton on the farm to trade. I think that they at least have a, a decent amount of talent at the at the big league level. They've really been hurt by injuries in the rotation, but um, yeah, I just I don't really see this this Cardinals team having the juice um, to really make a push in this year or or future years. They're kind of in that that middle that middle ground that you don't really want to be in. Yeah, I mean the NL Central seems pretty wide open for the taking. Although your Brewers are really strong and the Reds are coming on. Uh, Cardinals, I believe, are still above 500, but barely. And they just don't really seem to have that guy who could really – or multiple guys who could come up and, and help this year. Um, or a lot to dangle in, in a trade. But they, we'll see. they always seem to come on somehow. Yeah, I mean, the, that's sort of what, what separates the White Sox is just being just this far and away worse system 
is even with like the Cardinals, the national, I mean, I don't, I think the nationals are realistic about not really being true contenders this year. So they, I don't think they will be buyers. Um, the Philly, I mean, at least like the Phillies and the Cardinals have a couple guys where they could trade for pretty much anyone that that's going to get moved at this year's deadline. Like they would have to empty out the system probably to do so, but um, they at least have a, a few appealing pieces that other teams would want. Like the White Sox, like I said, they just they don't have anyone, and and it's it's really kind of um, it's tough to do even when you graduate as many good players as they have in recent years to just not have anyone left on the farm that any team would like they could not trade for Max Scherzer without, without trading uh, guys that are already on the big league roster. And that's, that's crazy to think about. That absolutely is. And the Detroit Tigers, another one of your five shallowest farm systems. And they're calling up Matt Manning. We talked about him a few weeks ago and we we're like, no, nah, this can't be a realistic option because he's, really struggling at triple a, but they're going to give him a look. Anyway, he is tomorrow's starter against the angels. Little surprise. Yeah, the there's the, the shine has really kind of come off uh, Matt Manning. And he, he used to be uh, one of my top three pitching prospects in the game. Um, yeah, he was a big name prospect for, for a while there. I mean, he, yeah, he was a guy that I, that I really, really wanted to see last year when they when they called up uh, Casey Myers and Treat Scooble, but Manning got hurt uh, last year, and um, it just hasn't been hasn't been good this year. Uh, he at least his his last start at at AAA was was probably his best start of the year. Um, the home runs that he was given he was giving up like two home runs a game early in the season. He's at least kind of improved on that a little bit. But, you know, anything can happen. I mean, predicting how any pitching prospect's going to do when they first get to the majors is, is a fool's errand. So I don't want to say that Manning can't have success. I mean, he, he certainly has – he has the stuff to have success if he's on and he's, he's locating his pitches. But I wouldn't go nuts to, to add Manning in, in redraft leagues right now. He's just – you know, I think that they, they want to see how he does. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he was back at AAA before the end of the month, though. Looks like he went six innings in his most recent start, June 9th, against Louisville, and allowed two earned runs, struck out eight. The numbers overall, though, really bad this year. But I could see, you know, looking at his 2019 numbers as a 21-year-old at double A, 133 and two-thirds, 148 Ks, 256, 098 whip. I totally see why there was a lot of shine at one point. You mentioned that's kind of worn off, but uh, what was the injury last year? Was it arm? I'd imagine arm. Yeah, arm? it was a uh, forearm. It was either, it was, yeah, it was a forearm. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I thought he was a, at risk of needing Tommy John surgery um, by now, and he's avoided it. But you know, maybe maybe some of his struggles this year can be attributed to the fact that he's not pitching at at a hundred percent. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, that's like you said, he has gone six plus innings multiple times, and so maybe, maybe he's healthy. I I don't know. I, it's it's just kind of a it's a messy situation. You you typically don't see a pitching prospect of his caliber get the call when they've been pitching this poorly uh, for the majority of the year. But but here we are. Yeah, that is a little surprising to see, just given the the surface numbers. 
maybe they liked what they saw in that that June 9th outing, and they're just like, hey, let's give I, them a chance. But I'm a little surprised. I I did want to yeah. I mean, you, you you hinted at like them having like being included in the shallowest systems. Um, like they have absolutely no excuse to be. <laughs> <laughs> in this company, right? Like, yeah, they've been rebuilding uh, for like a decade. It feels like if if you eliminate, like five years. yeah, if if you eliminate the players they got in last year's draft, then they only have two guys in the entire top four hundred that were not drafted in last year's draft: Riley Green and Matt Manning. So that's the twenty nineteen draft for for Green, the twenty sixteen draft for Manning. They don't have a single player from the 2017 draft in the top 400. And I don't think they don't have a single player from the 2017 draft in their top 20. Um, They don't have a single player from the 2018 draft in the top 400. Uh, They've just really had a, had a bad run in terms of the draft. Um, I've never really liked their taste in guys on the international market either. They, they seem to end up with these guys who are physically more mature than you'd like and are going to slide down the defensive spectrum. They end up with a lot of guys who just strike out too much. Um, they did have a good 2020 draft, but they also had, I think, the biggest bonus pool. Actually, that might have been the Orioles, but I mean, they had one of the top three bonus pools last year, so they should have had a good draft. Um, it's It's been just a disaster rebuild, really. and. I mean, that, that front office is probably uh, not going to be around to see the fruits of this labor if, if, if it ever does bear fruit. I know those top two, Green and Torkelson, a lot of excitement behind them. And uh, Riley Green in particular, at least in spring training, he was lighting up, you know, stack cast track man numbers. And the batted ball numbers do suggest he could be a, an impact player. But yeah, behind the top top guys in the system, I just – it's bad, but um, so it's it's Al Avila, right? Who's who's going to be? Yeah, Al Avila. Uh, Al Avila should maybe uh, should take the fall. Probably he should probably get working on his resume. Although I don't, I don't think, I don't think there's a lot to point to there. Um, but he'll yeah. find a job in baseball. <laughs> uh, I don't feel too bad. <laughs> yeah, but, no, I mean because he. We've heard, at least through leaked reports, that he had chances to trade some of those arms, like Michael Fulmer, I think it was. Fulmer and, uh, and Matt Boyd, yeah. He had opportunities to improve this team and just, ugh, it's really bad, man. And at least Jonathan Scope's been uh, crushing it at the big league level. I was surprised to see they DFA'd Wilson Ramos the other day. Because uh, he had been crushing it early on, but I guess they just were like, "eh, <laughs> this is a, this isn't going to help us at all." But I, and I guess they figured nobody would trade for Wilson Ramos. No, I mean he was. They, they they signed him like, I mean, every team could have signed Wilson Ramos this past year mm-hmm. and chose not to. It's kind of crazy to see though a guy who's, uh, I guess his average had really fallen, but he had he had. Uh, Six homers was swinging it well early on this season. James, let's uh, move on from the systems and talk about some unranked gems that you threw in our outline today. I will include include these with the show notes if you're all right with that, James. Yeah, yeah. Um, for the podcast, so check these out. 
Uh, you kind of label them Joe Gray All-Stars. Joe Gray, we've talked about on the show. That's the most boring name, but that kind of makes it all the more apropos to have him as the uh, front man for this, this list of players. Yeah, so so Joe Gray was um, someone that I just I, – I totally – these are all guys that basically should have been ranked on the Top 400 update, and I just uh, I just whiffed on – ranking them and joe gray is like the the leader of that that pack like he he's in the top 200 now but i i just i whiffed on adding him initially and yeah i mean he's he's obviously had a great year we've talked about him uh the first guy i want to talk about is actually joe perez another joe uh but he's in houston system and and a lot of people will remember that perez was a was one of the Astros top picks back in uh, 2017 and then just was really limited by injuries and barely played at all. But he's just been awesome this year at low A and then he got the bump up to high A and we, we've talked about that, like how you, you always love when any, any hitting prospect gets a, a quick promotion early in the year um, because that obviously means their team is buying into the performance and wants to give them a challenge. And of course, we have to note that um, he's been playing in some pretty hitter-friendly environments, particularly uh, at Asheville at High A. But our minor league hard hit data on Joe Perez is is very promising. He's he's thirty-eight point six hard hit. That's really good uh, for a minor leaguer, and he's just been absolutely crushing it at at both stops. Uh, someone that I think you can go out and, and scoop up today in a lot of your dynasty leagues, even the deeper ones. I added him in a few this morning and he's just got, he's got huge power. It's all about the, the strikeout rate with him. And so far he's kept that in check. And, you know, I think that he's, he's just one of these guys that obviously took the time during the pandemic to really improve and get healthy. And, and it's just been, uh, a great start to the year for, for Perez. Now, William Contreras, still prospect eligible, I'm guessing. Yeah, because yeah, it's like 100 and, uh, 126 career plate appearances. He's cooled off a little bit lately. Uh, actually, over his last 13, but you still like what you've seen, and you think he's got a pretty bright future behind the plate in the big leagues. Well, yeah, I, you know, he's not a top 200 guy, and he's he's not – He's going to graduate, obviously, before he would get a chance to move up there. But I just I wanted to note that I I should have ranked William Contreras on the last update. Uh, I'd been lower on him just because, and it, and this is really challenging and actually probably worth discussing. Like when a team has multiple really strong catching prospects, it gets really difficult in terms of how you should rank them because you know that there's only so many. Like a guy's not going to move off catcher. Um, if if there's a log jam, right? Like a guy could at shortstop or center field or something like that. Uh, there's only so many starts to go around a catcher for every team. And they have Shea Langoliers, who was their first round pick a couple of years ago, who's been awesome this year. And I just, I assume Shea Langoliers is the catcher of the future in Atlanta. Uh, they invested a ton in him and, and he's a really good two-way player. He's a good defender, uh, probably better defender than, than William Contreras, but I, that's why I was low on Contreras is I was like, well, at best, he's going to be sharing time with Langoliers in, in a couple of years. 
but Contreras has been more impressive than I would have thought, particularly in the, the power department. Uh, another another org, just while we're talking about this, that it's really making it tough on me is the Dodgers because like Will Smith was my top ranked catcher for dynasty leagues on the, the dynasty update a couple weeks ago, but they've also got Kybert Ruiz who has been amazing at AAA and has really seemed to just be uh, kind of hitting a groove offensively. And they've also got Diego Cartaya who's just been destroying low A and all three of these guys are just really impressive young catchers, but they're all in the same org. And Cartaya is far enough away where you're not really going to ding him for being blocked at the big league level. But like, what do you do with Kybert Ruiz, who in really any other org would be probably a top 100 prospect for, for Dynasty? But because he's with the Dodgers, it's just like, you know, at, at best, he's going to play like 40% of the time because of Will Smith being there and you, you need like a Will Smith injury almost. And I just, I, I can't picture the Dodgers trading these guys because they are such valuable assets. Anytime you have a, a catcher that is going to be solid defensively and an impact hitter, like those are the toughest things to find. And the Dodgers might have three of them. And so it's just really tough to, to figure out how to rank these guys given the, the team context. Yeah, that's a really good thing to point out. And correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't there a point when Kyber Ruiz was kind of a higher-ranked prospect than Will Smith? Even more? Yes, yes. Yeah. And like um, that just adds to the the struggles and the long-term picture there and, and seeing that picture. Yeah, because there was a point where Ruiz seemed like the better bat of the two to me. Like um, Will Smith might have been the better OBP guy, but I, I – you know, back when Will Smith was in the lower levels of the minors, I thought he was going to be a low average, you know, high walk rate, high strikeout rate, uh, power hitter. Uh, he's obviously just really improved with the, the hit tool over the years. And Kyber Ruiz was kind of the opposite, where I sort of thought he would be like a Jonathan Lucroy type of guy where it was hit over power. Uh, but Ruiz is just, I mean, yeah, he's still 22, I think. And he's got eight homers in 21 games at AAA. I mean, I know it's a a hitter friendly environment down there, but for a 22 year old catcher to be doing that at AAA with a 13.5% K rate, I mean, this guy's a stud and he's got yeah, nowhere to play. Really impressive. It's really impressive. I imagine beginning next year, we probably will have the universal DH, which may help a little bit, but hell, I mean, the Dodgers have so many other options, like still be a log jam, I'd imagine. Do you think that will get included or do you think there's too much to? to negotiate through already the CBA? Um, well, I, you know, I, first of all, like if this is, I mean, if, if there's a work stoppage, it's 100% on the owners, but I think mm -hmm. there will probably be a work stoppage. And you think in that at this point, it's I scary. mean, the, the <laughs> it's, I mean, the owners, are just so awful that I, I just don't see them budging on stuff. Yeah, I wouldn't put anything player. past them. Right. And uh, that's something, I mean, it, it's kind of morbid to talk about, but it, it's something worth considering in Dynasty too. Uh, if you're like a rebuilding club or something, you should be aware of the fact there might not be a, a season next year. And so like, I think there's a case for targeting guys like uh, Dustin May 
or Matthew Allen, uh, guys who've recently undergone Tommy John surgery, maybe Tyler Glass now, because if there's not a season next year, these guys that have had Tommy John surgery this year will be fully recovered for 2023. That's a good point, man. Yeah, I could see it. Unfortunately, I, I'm dreading that possibility. I think it is a possibility we have to mentally prepare for. I, I am with you. And this whole spider tech thing, Rob Silver was pointing it out. It's such a transparent way to just paint the players as villains and, yeah. oh, they're all cheaters. And it's just such a clear – the timing of it is so, so clearly uh, manipulated to, to sh show poorly on the players. There's, there's going to be so much propaganda – from the owners through, you know, the John Heymans and Bob Nightingales of the world where they're just going to be running constant propaganda that it's the players who are greedy, the player, players are cheating, like all this stuff. Um, and it's it's obviously complete BS. And um, like this spider tech thing are just sticky substances in general. It's not a new thing. No. But they bring it up now to midway through the year to – begin planting the seeds through the media. And that was part of Rob's point that the media is a tool in this whole thing. Also the, I mean, you know, color me not surprised, but including sunscreen and rosin. Yeah. Like we knew this isn't like hindsight. Like we've known um, for a while. And even like Mike Schilt in his like famous press conference from like a month ago, like, there's a huge difference between using sunscreen and rosin and using spider tech. And yet MLB just lumps it all in together. And it's, it's tough to say, this is always the trouble with analyzing the commissioner's office. Like it's tough to say whether they're just incompetent or whether there's a method to um, these decisions, but either they're either like evil or they're incompetent. Like it's, it's one of the two. And um so I, I don't know whichever one they want to be, uh, but yeah, maybe both. Yeah, they, they might be. They might <laughs> be evil and incompetent. Yeah, I think it's evil that they bring up the, this crackdown now, and then it's just incompetent that they include. Yeah, you know, it's 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 evil that they want to paint the players as cheaters now, but incompetent that they include sunscreen and rosin right. in there with spider tech. Yeah, it's it's pretty insane, man. I uh, it's kind of like I love baseball more than. Anything aside from my family in this world, James, but uh, it's hard sometimes to forgive and overlook some of the idiotic things they do. And the owners, you know, make it make it difficult sometimes. But uh, Kyle Bradish, moving on here, James, another name I'm not familiar with, but it was on your Joe Gray All Stars list. What can you tell us about Kyle Bradish of Baltimore? Yeah, he um, they acquired him. He was kind of the, the best player they got back from the Angels in the Dylan Bundy trade a few years ago. And he's been uh, crushing it at AAA. Uh, his last start was his worst start of the year. But uh, on the whole, he's got a, an ERA under two. He's got 49 strikeouts and 32 innings. And he's I just thought he was worth mentioning because he is at AAA. So he's probably going to make his big league debut this year if he stays healthy. So uh, obviously a Orioles pitcher, I mean, that's a tough team context to have success in for fantasy, just given the ballpark and, and everything. But um, 
you you will probably see Bradish join that that rotation here at, at some point. James Caprillion, Daz Cameron, a couple old friends, old names that we're familiar with, and they're having some success at the big league level. And um, you kind of regretting maybe not having them ranked a little higher. Uh, well, yeah, they fell off the list, I think, for fair reasons. I mean, I think coming into the year, Caprillion, I thought he would be a reliever for for Oakland just because of his his history and his, his durability issues. But I think he's looking like, you know, a solid number four starter, which is, you know, not not sexy, but, you know, he's he's pitching, he's healthy. It's just a really good story that he's that he's able to do that. Uh, Cameron, it's only been like five games, so I wouldn't look at the batting average there. But I mean, he really improved at triple A and improved with the strikeout rate. Uh, I don't know if he's going to play enough to be valuable in fantasy and maybe he just gets sent back down here in a, in a few days or something, but he's got power and he's got speed and we're always looking for that. Obviously. I mean, uh, like getting Jake Fraley for free is, is helping, you know, swing some leagues right now. And I don't know if Daz Cameron's got those plate skills that, that Fraley has, but I think he's got the same type of power speed combination you're looking for. Yeah, and Caprillion, he's gone at least five in all but one of his six outings. So it is good to see him going, you know, deep enough to qualify for a win pretty much every time out, including one of those was at Colorado. So good run this year for Caprillion and mostly unrelated, but in that same division, I was just thinking about Logan Gilbert and uh, good to see him turning it around. Definitely. I yeah. think if, if he were, if he was dropped after, those big uh, disappointments early on. Go out and go out and grab him. Yeah, absolutely. Because he uh, he's helping that stake league team. I know you're. I'm lucky to be holding on to uh, Eater territory. We'll see how long that lasts. More Joe Gray All Stars here, James. Uh, Justin Bullock, right hander for the Brewers. What can you tell us about Bullock? He's the definition of a pop up prospect. Uh, did not know who he was coming into the year, but uh, he was absolutely dominant at low A, uh, which, you know, he's 22 years old. We don't have to read a ton into that, but he's got a, a deep arsenal. He's uh, got a good breaking ball, got a solid changeup, uh, low to mid-90s with the fastball, and he got the bump up to high A and was excellent there in his first start, struck out 10 in five innings. Uh, didn't walk anyone. So Bullock is, is a name to keep in mind. The Brewers are obviously quite good at developing pitching. Uh, but there's also there's also a red we can talk about, another red. I know we started the show with uh, some, some reds pitching talk. Uh, not as well known, but Graham Ashcraft is a, a righty in the red system who's been excellent at high A, and he's, he's older, he's 23, but uh, generating ground balls at a at a nice clip. He's got a deep repertoire. He's been uh, throwing enough strikes. So a couple guys in the NL Central there that are at, at high A that are worth uh, keeping an eye on in deeper leagues. I love it. Ashcraft, not somebody I know very well, but I'll have to keep an eye on him. I grew up with a guy named Graham. Actually, just reconnected with him somewhat recently. And uh, it's always fun when you – 
reconnect with the guy he grew up with and just kind of reminded me of that. Uh, Brady Singer, James. Sorry. Oh, what, what were you going to say? I just saw that Brady Singer was removed with right posterior shoulder tightness today. Ah. So that sucks. They're saying it's a precautionary measure, but I'm just well, I'm bracing myself for more and more pitching injuries without you know with this sudden shift with their their preparations and how they're actually pitching. Yeah, that's that's a bummer. Um, maybe we see maybe we see Lynch get the call again. Yeah, I could see that. I uh, I. I was really disappointed with the Coar run, but that's how it happens. You know, you take your chances on some of these guys. Sometimes they blow up in your face. I heard something that along with Coar, like the jump between AAA and the majors is as difficult as it's ever been. Have you heard something about that? I don't know if that's just anecdotal um, or. I, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it checks out to me. I mean, Part of the, it's certainly true on the, the hitting side of things because the pitchers at AAA for the most part are not the best pitchers in the minor leagues. There's, you're going to see just a lot of like veterans um, that have been around, kind of like the the quad A version of a pitcher uh, hanging out at AAA, and then you get to the majors and the the level of stuff you're seeing is just a whole nother level completely. And on the hitting side, I mean, when you're, when you're used to teeing off against, you know, 92, 93 with, you know, okay off speed stuff. And then you all of a sudden have to face some of these guys in the majors. I mean, it's just, it's a, there's a big learning curve there. Yeah. It's hard to hit the ground running for sure. Now I I'm looking at some of these names Pretty difficult run of names here, so I apologize in advance <laughs> if I butcher some of these. Uh, Diego Rincones, outfielder for San Francisco. Is he kind of a pop-up guy too? Uh, not really. I mean, I, with the rest of these guys, I can just kind of run through um, just quickly and, and just mention them quickly. Um, you know, Rincones is a guy who really shows up well on our minor league hard hit uh, data. I think he's got a 45% hard hit rate. And he's someone who's sort of been on and off the Giants top 20 list over the years. He's bat only basically, like he's not gonna add much value defensively at all. So he might be a, a DH candidate. Um, Jamai Jones is a guy that might be relevant in uh, redraft leagues this year. He's obviously someone that was a top 100 prospect back with the Angels a few years ago, and the ba the Baltimore Orioles picked him up. He's been on a absolute tear at AAA. I think he's been walking more than he's striking out. Uh, plays second base outfield, so I think there could be a spot for Jones at second base at some point this year for for Baltimore. So in like AL only and deep mix leagues, I think he's already maybe worth worth an ad if you can. And then uh, the Yankees have a few guys that are old for high A that are tearing it up. Ken Waldachuk, I don't think he's given up a run yet, but he's, I, I kind of want to see what he does at double A before ranking him. I mean, he's a lefty with, uh, you know, lefty with some, some deception in the delivery. Uh, 
Hayden Wesneski is a righty uh, with the Yankees who's doing great too. Um, he's also 23 and at high A, so I kind of want to see what he does at double A. Uh, on the position player side, Ezekiel Tovar was a, a obvious omission by me on the, the last top 400 update. He's a middle infielder with the Rockies. He was a notable J2 guy a, a few years ago. He's really doing well at high or at low A. Felix Valerio with the Brewers. He was part of the uh, Keon Broxton trade with the Mets a couple of years ago. And and he's kind of got some Gene Segura vibes. He's uh, really impressing at low A, uh, a little bit of power, a little bit of speed. He's, he's on the smaller side. Uh, so he probably ends up at second base, but worth keeping an eye on him. And then uh, Aldo Ramirez, righty for the Red Sox, is, is tearing it up at low A right now. And then three uh, Rangers righties that I thought were worth mentioning are Ronnie Henriquez, Yeri Rodriguez, and Takoa Roby. Um, pretty strong names for all three of those guys, and they're all off to really good starts. So monitoring all these guys, they're probably all going to get added to the top 400 on the next update. <clears throat> but obviously, you know, a lot can change between now and then. That'll probably be uh, after the the draft, but I have been just adding some of these guys at the bottom of the list when guys like Brian Hayes and Zach McKinstry graduated. I added uh, like Justin Bullock and James Caprillion this morning. So um, you will see some of these guys probably slip onto the top 400 as more guys graduate. Awesome. Well, we appreciate these unranked hidden gems, these Joe Gray all-stars. You're talking about Texas, and I just wanted to mention Demarcus Evans. Did you end up grabbing him? In any leagues last weekend? <laughs> I got him, and then I, I saw Spores blew a save, so it was kind of... Well, I had that thing. Spores blown save in my TGFBI lineup. Oh, no. Um, and then I think <laughs> I... But I, but I think I have... Um, oh, man, I can't remember what league it was. I think I added Spores and Demarcus Evans in one league, just really sort of hedging or trying to... Market try to get that that rangers bullpen uh locked up but um, those five five second half saves you know, <laughs> push you over the top. <laughs> i mean dude if i, if I, I added had, evans i added evans so i get it if i had uh if i had like 15 more saves i think i've got like 16 saves or something like that right now in tgfbi if i just had 15 20 more saves so basically just end up with any of these random closers that are, are having good seasons, I would probably be number one in the TGFBI overall right now. But just when you're when you're that bad in one category, it's tough to to really push up into that that top two or three. Yeah, that's a tough category to figure out this year, especially. Uh, Fabulous wanted to know too in the chat uh, where we can find James's articles apart from Twitter, uh, Rotowire.com. And then Robin Clark said, uh, hey, guys, Wander Franco 12-team fab league, uh, how long should he wait? Do you think he's a stash in a 12-team mixer, Franco? I know uh, you're I sick of these questions at this point. Well, no, I mean – Wander, Wander Franco I don't, I don't mind. I, I'm always happy to answer prospect questions, dynasty questions. Uh, I'm, I'm probably not I, – I don't really have time to answer, like, just standard redraft questions especially when it's like a 50 50 call like um you know i'd answer so many prospect questions that it just got to draw the line somewhere but 
Um, well, you're you're great about it. I just realized. Imagine with him specifically, you're probably sick of. Well, it's just I, I'm going to yeah. constantly just I'm going to constantly just tell you that I don't know. I mean, I I don't know when he's going to be up. Um, if I did, then that'd mean that I was like really tight with someone really high up in that front office, which I'm not. Mm. Uh, but I will say that in a in a 12 teamer, like it's just all about what that roster spot is costing you. Like, is that affecting you in the standings right now? If you're, if you're hemorrhaging somewhere and you're not able to plug that hole because you're rostering Franco, then I think you might want to move on. Uh, but if you can just keep him on your bench and you're fielding a lineup every week and the alternative is to just pick up like a sixth or seventh outfielder or something like that, who's in the majors, but doesn't have that type of upside, then I would just hold him. But if it's costing you in the standings, then, you know, and it depends who's out there too. Like, who are you drafting him for? Is it someone that's, that's good and that, you know, is going to help you, or is it just someone, you know, like, are, are you dropping him for like Enrique Hernandez or Akil Badu or someone like that? Then no, I'd probably hold him. But if you can go add someone that's actually going to help you in the 12 team, or then, then maybe you move on from them. Yeah, I'd lean probably not stash them actually in the 12 mixly. I just think they're probably better options than the bad dues and whoever else you mentioned. Probably just would prefer to churn, and you may end up with somebody even more valuable than Franco eventually. But that is a tough one. I just wanted to not leave that guy uh, hanging. Before we uh, draft our walk up songs for this week, James, anything else on your mind? No, we, we went off on a few tangents, so I cleared out uh, everything that I've been thinking about there earlier. Nice, man. Well, um, I always forget which, which one of us drafts first, since this is kind of an informal draft. We did actually track the uh, other drafts in the spreadsheet. But this one, I feel like there's little chance of, uh, you know, getting sniped and whatnot. So um, why don't you go first this week? Yeah, um, I am going to go with a my first song off of a mixtape, but I did double check to make sure that it's on uh, that it's on Spotify. So we will be able to add it. It's uh, "Surf Swag" by Lil Wayne off of No Ceilings, which is a mixtape from uh, like 2009, I want to say. Um, I think it used to be called Swag Surf, but then on Spotify when it was added like a couple of years ago, they kind of changed some things around with that mixtape. But uh, that was that No Ceilings mixtape, like late 2000s, Lil Wayne was just elite Lil Wayne in in my opinion, and then he kind of fell off after that. But uh, yeah, that yeah, rock that rock album was a low point. Yeah, I don't remember when that was, but. That definitely led to his. I, I consider myself a little bit of a Lil Wayne connoisseur, and I don't even know that song. So, obviously, I have some holes this, in my knowledge. This was a, this yeah. was also just back. Like he was releasing like a mixtape every like two months back then. So, like yeah, you might have just been listening to a different mixtape. Uh, <laughs> I'll have to get familiar though. Uh, what was the name of it? So I can listen to it after the show. Surf swag. Surf swag. Okay. I'm going with a more well-known track, probably for most people anyway. And some people probably shake their head and laugh because they think I'm a gimmick at this point. But um, I got five on it. We got the loonies. 
I was I found an old CD the other day, and I that was the first song on it. And when I put it in, I just had a I actually laughed out loud, and when that the first few beats of that song came on, so I just look. It's a great song, and I'm surprised Cody Bellinger hasn't used it. Let's just say that because uh, <laughs> I think he probably likes that song. But James, good stuff. I'm going to listen to uh, Surf Swag here momentarily. And uh, thanks for all the insight, man. Look forward to Farm Friday, which will be the last Farm Friday of the year. So join us on XM if you can on Friday. James, talk to you then, man. Yeah. We'll talk to you all it's next week on the Rotowire Prospect Podcast, sponsored by WinBet. Try Rotowire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.